Strange Animals Podcast. Welcome to Strange Animals Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Shaw. I talk a lot about biggest animals on this podcast, so maybe it's time to look at the very smallest animals. I don't mean algae or bacteria or things like that. I mean the smallest species of animals that aren't usually considered especially small. We'll start with the smallest snake, the Barbados thread snake. It only lives on a few islands in the Caribbean, notably Barbados. The very largest individual ever measured was only 4.09 inches long, or 10.4 centimeters, but most are under 4 inches long. But it's an extremely thin snake, not much thicker than a spaghetti noodle. The Barbados thread snake mostly eats termites and ant larvae. It spends most of its time in leaf litter or under rocks, hunting for food. The female only lays one single egg, but the baby is relatively large, about half the mother's length when it hatches. That is so cute. Why are small things so cute? Remember the starfish episode where we talked about the largest starfish? Well, what's the smallest starfish? That would be Parvalastra parvivipara, which is smaller than a fingernail decoration sticker. You thought I was just going to say fingernail, didn't you? No, this thing's tiny. It grows to about 10 millimeters across and is orangey-yellow in color. It lives on the coast of Tasmania in rock pools between low and high tide, called intertidal rock pools. If you remember the mangrove killifish from a few episodes ago, you'll remember how killifish females are hermaphrodites that produce both eggs and sperm and usually self-fertilize their eggs to produce tiny clones of themselves. Well, Parvalostra does that too, although like the killifish, it probably doesn't always self-fertilize its eggs. But then it does something interesting for a starfish. Instead of releasing its eggs into the water to develop by themselves, Parvalostra keeps the eggs inside its body. And instead of the eggs hatching into larvae, they hatch into impossibly tiny miniature baby starfish which the parent keeps inside its body until the baby is big enough to survive safely on its own. But what do the baby starfish eat while they're still inside the mother? Well, they eat their siblings. The larger babies eat the smaller ones and eventually leave through one of the openings in the parent's body wall, called gonopores. Researchers theorize that one of the reasons the babies leave the parent is to escape being eaten by its siblings. And yes, occasionally a baby grows so big that it won't fit through the gonopores, so it just goes on living inside the parent. Next, let's look at the smallest primate. The primate order includes humans, apes, monkeys, and a lot of other animals, including lemurs. And the very smallest one is Bertha's mouse lemur. Its body is only 3.6 inches long on average, or 9.2 centimeters, with a tail that more than doubles its length. Its fur is yellowish and brownish red. Bertha's mouse lemur was only discovered in 1992. It lives in one tiny area of western Madagascar, where it lives in trees which means it's vulnerable to the deforestation going on all over Madagascar and is considered endangered. 
It mostly eats insects, but also fruit, flowers, and small animals of various kinds. Its habitat overlaps with another small primate, the gray mouse lemur, but they avoid each other. Madagascar has 24 known mouse lemur species, and they all seem to get along well by avoiding each other and eating slightly different diets. Researchers discover new species all the time, including three in 2016. Last October, we had an episode about bats, specifically macrobats that have wingspans as broad as eagles. But the smallest bat is called the bumblebee bat. It's also called kitty's hog-nosed bat, but bumblebee bat is way cuter. It's a microbat that lives in western Thailand and southeast Myanmar, and like other microbats, it uses echolocation to find and catch flying insects. Its body is only about an inch long, or maybe 30 millimeters, although it has a respectable wingspan of about 6.5 inches, or 17 centimeters. It's reddish-brown in color with a little pig-like snoot, and it only weighs 2 grams. That's just a tad more than a single Pringles chip weighs. Because the bumblebee bat is so rare and lives in such remote areas, we don't know a whole lot about it. It was only discovered in 1974 and is increasingly endangered due to habitat loss, since it's only been found in 35 caves in Thailand and only 8 in Myanmar, and those are often disturbed by people entering them. The land around the caves is burned every year to clear brush for farming, which affects the bats too. The bumblebee bat roosts in caves during the day and most of the night, only flying out at dawn and dusk to catch insects. It rarely flies more than about a kilometer from its cave, or a little over half a mile, but it does migrate from one cave to another seasonally. Females give birth to one tiny baby a year. Oh my gosh, tiny baby bats. So what about whales and dolphins? You know, some of the biggest animals in Earth's history. Well, the vaquita is a species of porpoise that lives in the Gulf of California, and it only grows about four and a half feet long, or 1.4 meters. Like other porpoises, it uses echolocation to navigate and catch its prey. It eats small fish, squid, crustaceans, and other small animals. The vaquita is usually solitary and spends very little time at the surface of the water, so it's hard to spot and not a lot is known about it. It mostly lives in shallow water and it especially likes lagoons with murky water, properly called turbid water, since it attracts more small animals. Unfortunately, the vaquita is critically endangered, mostly because it often gets trapped in illegal gillnets and drowns. The gillnets are set to catch a different critically endangered animal, a fish called the totoaba. The totoaba is larger than the vaquita and is caught for its swim bladder, which is considered a delicacy in China and is exported on the black market. The vaquita's total population may be no more than 10 animals at this point, 15 at the most, and the illegal gillnets are still drowning them, so it may be extinct within a few years. A captive breeding plan was tried in 2017 but porpoises don't do well in captivity, and the individuals the group caught all died. Hope isn't lost, though. 
because vaquita females are still having healthy babies, and there are conservation groups patrolling that part of the Gulf of California where they live to remove gill nets and chase off fishing boats trying to set more of the nets. Go get them. If you want to learn a little more about the vaquita and how to help it, episode 75 of Corbin Maxey's excellent podcast, Animals to the Max, is an interview with a vaquita expert. I'll put a link in the show notes. Next, let's talk about an animal that is not in danger of extinction, please. The long-tailed planigale is doing just fine, a common marsupial from Australia. So if it's a marsupial, it must be pretty big, like kangaroos and wallabies, right? Nope, the long-tailed planigale is the size of a mouse, which it somewhat resembles. It even has a long tail that's bare of fur. It grows to two and a half inches long, not counting its tail, or 6.5 centimeters. That's the length of my little finger almost exactly, and I know because I measured it. It's brown with longer hind legs than forelegs, so it often sits up like a tiny squirrel. Its nose is pointed and it has little round mouse-like ears, but it has a weird skull. The long-tailed planigale's skull is flattened. In fact, it's no more than four millimeters top to bottom. This helps it squeeze into cracks in the dry ground, where it hunts insects and other small animals and hides from predators. The pygmy hippopotamus is a real animal, which I did not know until recently. It grows about half the height of the common hippo and only weighs about a quarter as much. It's just over three feet tall at the shoulder, or 100 centimeters. It's black or brown in color and spends most of its time in shallow water, usually rivers. It's sometimes seen resting in burrows along riverbanks, but no one's sure if it digs these burrows itself or makes use of burrows dug by other animals. It comes out of the water at night to find food. Its nostrils and eyes are smaller than the common hippos, and it looks a little bit like a little piggy. Unlike the common hippo, the pygmy hippo lives in deep forests, and as a result, mostly eats ferns, fruit, and various leaves. Common hippos eat more grass and water plants. The pygmy hippo seems to be less aggressive than the common hippo, but it also shares some behaviors with its larger cousins. For instance, the pooping thing. If you haven't listened to the varmints episode about hippos, you owe it to yourself to do so because it's hilarious. I'll put a link in the show notes to that one, too. While the hippo poops, it wags its little tail really fast to spread the poop out across a larger distance. Because, of course it does. Why wouldn't you want to spread your poop around? Also like the common hippo, the pygmy hippo secretes a reddish substance that looks like blood. It's actually called hipposudoric acid, which researchers think acts as a sunscreen and an antiseptic. Hippos have delicate skin with almost no hair, so its skin dries out and cracks when it's out of water too long. That's the sort of detail that you have to wonder, like, what kind of weird stuff did dinosaurs have that we'll never know? Like, you can't tell from a hippo's fossils that it used to sweat what looks like blood. Who would ever guess that? That's so cool. The pygmy hippo is endangered in the wild due to habitat loss and poaching, 
but fortunately it breeds successfully in zoos and lives a long time, up to about 55 years in captivity. For some reason, females are much more likely to be born in captivity, so when a male baby is born, it's a big deal for the captive breeding program. I'll put a link in the show notes to a video where you can watch a baby pygmy hippo named Sapo and his mother. He's adorable. Finally, let's finish where we started with another reptile. The smallest lizard is a gecko. Although there are a lot of small geckos out there, and it's a toss-up which one is actually smallest on average. Let's go with the Virgin Islands dwarf gecko, which lives on three of the British Virgin Islands. It's closely related to another contender for smallest reptile, the dwarf sparrow from Puerto Rico, which is a nearby island. But while that gecko is just a shade shorter on average, it's much heavier. The Virgin Islands dwarf gecko is only 18 millimeters long, not counting its tail, and it weighs 0.15 grams. A paperclip weighs more than this gecko. It's brown with darker speckles and a yellow stripe behind the eyes. Females are usually slightly larger than males. Like other geckos, it can lose its tail once and regrow a little stump of a tail. The Virgin Islands dwarf gecko lives in dry forests and especially likes rocky hills, where it spends a lot of its time hunting for tiny animals under rocks. We don't know a whole lot about it, but it does seem to be rare and only lives in a few places, so it's considered endangered. In 2011, some rich guy decided he was going to release a bunch of lemurs from Madagascar onto Mosquito Island one of the islands where the dwarf gecko lives. Every conservationist ever told him, oh no you don't, rich man, what is your problem? Those lemurs will destroy the island's delicate ecosystem, drive the dwarf gecko and many other species to extinction, and then die because the habitat is all wrong for lemurs. So Mr. Rich Man said, fine, whatever, I'll take my lemurs and go home. And he did, and the dwarf gecko was saved. Look, if you have so much money that you're making plans to move lemurs halfway across the world because you think it's a good idea, I can help take some of that money off your hands. You can find Strange Animals Podcast online at strangeanimalspodcast.blueberry.net. That's blueberry without any E's. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at strangeanimalspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us that way. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that would be Parvulastra. That would be Parvula. That would be Parvulastra Parvi Parvivipara. I don't know how to pronounce that.